What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 237th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and officially, the Keldeo movie is the worst of the Pokemon movies, but we'll get to that. First, I have Travis. I was playing Pokemon Go. I don't even know what day that was. I was playing Pokemon Go. I had headphones in, was listening to a podcast, and this guy that I've seen around my neighborhood is standing on his porch, and he said, hey, and then I turn and realize, oh, he's on his phone. He's not talking to me. But then he goes, no, you. And he interrupts his phone call. And he says, let me call you back. He says, I'm like, what is going on that he needs to get my attention so importantly that he's going to interrupt a phone call? So he says, do you know much about Facebook? And I said, I guess. And he said, when I go on Facebook, all I see are Brazilian people. Do you know why? I said, no. He said, oh, well, thanks anyway. My name's Chris. Nice to meet you. I'm Travis. See you later. Telling you the story because maybe someone out there can help Chris. Though his Facebook page is not all in Portuguese. You know Pokemon Go bringing the world together? It brings Brazil up, up, up to North America, apparently. One That's how it's bringing the world together. Facebook at a time. We'll find out more after the break. But first, Will. Uh, I was at the grocery store last night, not playing Pokemon Go, but actually just trying to get some organic mashed sweet potatoes from the hot bar at the grocery store. And I'm, you know, just minding my business. And I hear this guy on the other side of the hot bar. He's like, hey. And I, like, ignored him as being a born and bred New Yorker. I'm trained to do by my lifestyle that if anyone ever yells, hey, or you hear a a car horn honk, you just ignore it completely. And he's like, hey, did you, like, is this container yours and you just, like, left it here? And I was like, no. And then I walked away. Nice. True story. Ooh. Yeah, I got nothing. I mean, you guys really threw me off with these stories. Will, you're back. I think, what, two, three weeks you were gone? Here you are. People were clamoring for your voice. Well, that only inspires me to make them suffer even more. (laughs) I'll be taking the rest of the year off. (laughs) Build up their tolerance. We have a show for you guys today. We have some Pokemon Go news. Uh, We're going to cover both of the recent Pokemon Generation trailers, shorts, movies, episodes. That's the word. Episodes. I recently watched the Keldeo movie last night for our Patreon movie night, and I have some thoughts on that. And then uh, we saw the middle stage evolutions for the starter Pokemon, so we're going to touch on that, as well as officially finding out that Mega Evolution Pokemon have returned to the game. Did you guys have anything to bring up uh, before we start the show? I I do want to say... The reason I asked that is a Patreon survey went out for all the people who support us on Patreon. Uh, much appreciated, by the way. One of the questions was, what was your favorite part of the show? And the part of the show that won was the off-topic intro part. So I guess people like hearing uh, about us ramble before we get into the Pokemon stuff. I should probably address the elephant in the room, which is, why does my voice sound like it's been run over by some sort of lawnmower (laughs) well i can tell by the timbre of your voice that that can only be obtained by 
an evening full of screaming and yelling at a Coheed and Cambria rock show. Yeah, you didn't just deduce that. You're not sitting <laughs> over there in your in your in your mind palace. Uh, I told you that I was going to see a Coheed and Cambria show last night, and 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 here I am with uh, no remaining voice. Was it enjoyable? It's great. I've seen them four times now. They put on an amazing show. I, I didn't know Part, that they were known for sing-alongs. I mean, they, they've got some good hooks. They got yeah. some jams. Uh, did you go solo? Or? No, I went with my brother. Okay. And yeah, I went with my brother. Because this is the first time I've seen them in my in Grand Rapids where I live. And because of that, I also happened to catch up with a few people that just happened to be at the show. But I went with my brother. I feel like concerts are the same as movies. I wouldn't be able to go to them solo. I always have to have a partner. Oh, yeah. Although I go to movies solo all of the time, and it is great. It is one of the most wonderful experiences. Really? If you, I mean, some people say I feel lonely or I feel weird going to do it, but as someone who did that a lot, because especially in high school and college, I wanted to see a lot more movies than most of my friends did. I just saw movies. And it's so great because you don't have to worry that your friends are going to be obnoxious and yelling and throwing popcorn or whatever. I guess that's maybe just get better <laughs> friends. Um, but you just get to pick whatever seat, the exact seat you want. You can just hang out and like spend a, get there as early as you want just eat as much popcorn as you want without having to bore your friends that you actually wanted to see all of the trailers like i don't know there's something liberating about it if you can get past the initial few solo movie experiences where you do feel kind of weird about it all right and i actually like to go to shows on my own so i don't like to use the word concerts unless it's like a stadium type thing if it's just in like a venue, then I like to say show, but I, I have no problem going to a show on my own because most of the shows I like to go to attract maybe about 30 or 40 people in the audience. So it's really hard to get other people to want to come and see those groups. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you ran 18 miles and you were also in Nevada for a bit. Anything to report back from? Well, I was also in Arizona for a bit. Ha! <laughs> To, to report back from my 18 miles, well, I followed the course of the Rock Creek for the majority of it, and yeah, the water was flowing the entire time. <laughs> yeah, and also what I want to report, I'm in pain, I am in incredible pain, and I also have that very horrible feeling, which probably neither one of you can understand, where you're starving, you're absolutely starving, but... You've already eaten so much to try to stop being starving. You can't eat anymore, but you're still hungry. Oh, it's a horrible way to live. <laughs> oh, man. Nope. I'd... I have no understanding of any of these experiences. Someday. when I mean, I didn't start running until I was like, what, 38 years old? So someday you may be no, inspired. I don't, I don't think so. I'll hold out hope for you, even if you won't hold out hope for yourself. I am seriously considering becoming the pumpkin spice latte of this podcast. You only show up during the months of September through November? <laughs> yes, our artificial scarcity will make me that much more popular. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pokemon is a thing. Yeah, I want to, again, thank everyone that, you know, supported us on Patreon recently. Surveys went out for your free stickers and gifts. One of the interesting 
things I asked because I did ask a couple questions to. I mean, if you're getting free stickers, at least let me ask like four, four or five survey questions so I can, you know, try to make the show better or gauge how people feel, especially since, you know, we've, we've recently fallen into a pretty, not new, but a pretty consistent groove with, you know, how we've been doing the show and everything. So uh, I, I did ask, is there anything you dislike about the, the show or its current format and uh, an outstanding amount of no's slash nope slash not reallys? Uh, and then you get the funny stuff, like a lot of people saying, uh, not enough TCG news. And then you get the other uh, end of the spectrum of not enough video game news. And then you get the other end of the spectrum is not enough anime talk. Yeah. I think that's good. I mean, like, those are like good complaints because I feel like we are, we tackle all of that pretty well. Like sometimes there, sometimes there uh, is more TCG news. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there is no video game news and, you know. And especially with the anime stuff, we've been talking about the generation episodes. I mean, if those are the complaints, I think those are complaints we can live with uh, because Pokemon consistently changes and, you know, sometimes it is anime heavy, sometimes it's not. But, and uh, there are other specific complaints, of course, but, uh, you know, we do what we can week to week. But they're all about me and that would just be awkward if you aired that on the show. (laughs) There goes uh, Travis's self-esteem right down the toilet the yep, minute I'm Will, back. Will is back in the <laughs> self-esteem drops. Yeah, how do you discover the show? A lot of people said iTunes. Favorite part of the show, we already said that people like the intro a lot. Uh, surprisingly, uh, about half of our Patreon backers listen to Mythical, our D&D actual play podcast, which is great. Actually, only a small portion of people listen to my board gaming podcast, the Tuesday Night Podcast. Maybe because I, I don't mention it enough, or maybe people just don't like board games. Uh, the other thing I asked is if people would support a Kickstarter, if we did another Kickstarter for the next 100 episodes. I don't know if, if you two originally remembered, but the original Kickstarter that we did was for 100 new episodes. It was for 151 to 252, which as the Gen 2 Pokedex. That's why it was kind of decided like that. We ended with the Gen 1 Pokedex. So, yeah, I was thinking of another Kickstarter to do a couple more cool things, especially since if it wasn't for the Kickstarter to begin with, I probably wouldn't have branched out with more podcasts or gotten the 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 thought process to do like the Slack and stuff. So, Kickstarter has a different goal than the Patreon, really. The Patreon is just, hey, here is some monthly support to keep doing what you're doing. The Kickstarter is to do more bigger projects with the It's Super Effective show and the other shows that kind of formed because of it. Also, the Kickstarter lets us do, like, better rewards with just, like, pledging where we can do, like, a big shirt order or stick or different kind of stickers or work with Nick to maybe release some music for Kickstarter. So, again, nothing is confirmed, but I, I did want to gauge if people would be interested in backing a Kickstarter if we did that so we can do some more cool things. But, uh, yeah. Uh, also, people like uh, buttons more than stickers. Fifty-three percent to forty-six percent. So that's. I would have expected the margin to be larger. I yeah. really like buttons. Really, I really like stickers, huh? Yeah, buttons put holes in my things. Shame on them. You're the person who knits and sews and stuff. You can certainly. I'm not know. going. To, I'm like not going to argue with adhesives. ignorance. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Speaking of fair. 
there are two new updates to Pokemon Go. Travis, you still playing Go? As from your story at the beginning depicted? I am. I've resigned to the fact that I will perpetually be, in the, in the sense that I started a little late, I've resigned to the fact that I will perpetually be, a, like, months behind all of the people who actually have control of gyms and resigned to that. It's just a fun game I can play while I go for walks. So, yeah, still playing it. All right. All right. Will, are you still playing? Well, my most recent Pokemon Go story is I I was standing literally on the edge of the Grand Canyon looking into the vast beauty of and maj- majesty of nature and, and its power. And I turned on my phone and turned on Pokemon Go and it doesn't work at the Grand Canyon because there's no cell signal. <laughs> So I turned it off and I haven't tried to play Pokemon Go since. You would think there would be, I mean, there's, there's that vast openness where cellular service could just roam free. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Grand Canyon is, is kind of big. <laughs> and, and far away from, yeah. I, I mean, it was like a, what, two and a half hour drive from Las Vegas to get to the part of the Grand Canyon I went to. There's there's just nothing out there. <laughs> it's beautiful though. Highly recommended. Bit of news here is on October fifth there was an update from Niantic. Title is Earn a new capture bonus to increase the odds of catching rare Pokemon. Trainers, we want to give you a sneak peek of a feature coming soon to Pokemon Go. We are adding a new feature which grants a catch bonus when you earn medals based on catching certain types of Pokemon. These new bonuses will give you a better chance of capturing Pokemon with related types. For example, if you reach a higher tier for the Kindler medal, your bonus of fire-type Pokemon such as Charmander, Vulpix, and Ponyta will increase. Trainers can work their way to a new tier by catching Pokemon of the same type. If a Pokemon has multiple types, you will ha- you, your bonus will be the average of your bonuses for each type. For example, Pidgey is both normal and flying. Your bonus in that case would be the average of your normal type and flying type bonuses. Look forward to this new feature coming soon. Wait, how does Kingler contribute to all those fire types? Kin, kin, kin Kindler. Like to Kindler. 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 Yeah. That's not a Pokemon. Correct, but it's a medal that you get for catching oh, fire type Pokemon. Yeah. I, I think get it. I think the, the grass medal is called Gardener. In the same way that what is it? The normal type is is like normaler. Normaler. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like there's like bird cat keeper or something. I can look them up. I'll grab Pla- my phone. Planer. <laughs> I think Kindler would make a cool name for a Pokemon. Boringer. Basicer. Uh, the uh, the second update, which was uh, October sixth when this was published, gym training just got easier. Trainers. As we continue to make improvements to Pokemon Go, we have made enhancements to the gym experience for all for trainers of all levels. In an upcoming version of Pokemon Go, when training at a friendly gym, trainers will be able to bring six Pokemon to battle instead of one. In addition, the CP of Pokemon you are training against may temporarily adjust lower during your training session to generally match your Pokemon's battle cap- capabilities. No matter what level... You can now have an impact on your team's gym. Walk with your buddy 
Pokemon to the nearby landmark and show you the show your team leader that you came to the battle with your very best. I was looking up the metal names, so I was wasn't paying attention. Is that the? It's the change to how gyms work, right? Yeah, correct. Before, if your team had control of a gym, you could only bring one Pokemon, I think, to battle it to raise its what is that uh, number oh, called to, to raise its CP. influence CPs? or whatever yeah. that like the gym has like a score that that goes up, which raises the level of the gym. I think it's called like influence or something or prestige. Yeah, yeah, you did say it was prestige. So you battle your own t- team's gym to increase its prestige to increase its level so that you can empty you can get an empty spot to put one of your Pokemon on it. And before oh, I, I believe you could only challenge that with one Pokemon to make it harder for a team to to right. make it harder to maintain a gym than it is to take one. But now they're they're it seems like they're trying to make it easier to maintain like easier to maintain a gym over time. Right, right, right. I get what you're saying. Because when you go to so if I'm Team Mystic and I go to Team Valor and they're a level two gym, it's it's two Pokemon versus six at that point. And right. then you bring it down to level one and then you battle one more time because then it's one Pokemon versus six. But when I go to a Team Mystic gym as Team Mystic, I'm not battling to take over the gym. I'm battling to increase that gym's level. And this update makes that easier to do. Right. And I still haven't joined a team. And battling in Pokemon Go is still very not fun for me. <laughs> You know, like I thought you liked it the bit. When did you not stop liking it? Ah, I don't think I ever really liked it. I mean, they have like you, you the, certainly did. You certainly ah, did. Start. I don't think so because I complained that the roll the tape, roll, roll the tape, roll it back. I complained that the left and right dodging didn't work, and all you should do is just tap as fast as possible. The left and right dodging does work. Well, it didn't work when I originally played it, Travis. <laughs> well, it does now, so now you like it. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. Uh. That's science. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I have no interest in in taking over gyms or battling, and I still like to meet the the people that are super into IV training their their Pokemon. That might have been That's with not lo- a thing. You don't IV train. Whatever, EV train, IV train. <laughs> when they added hidden stats to Pokemon I just, Go, I when they had to say that because someone else would. I know. <laughs> I was going to say Soul Train, but... Soul Train. I, I, Logan was on that episode when we talked about it. I don't see... the To sum up what we said, and I think we were all in agreement at that, is yes, the Pokemon in Pokemon Go can have certain stats, just like in the main series game, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, because when you put Pokemon at a gym, that gym is going to be taken in a day, if not less than that. It's not like you're going to put a level... 1200 cp snorlax at a gym and expect to hold that gym for a week that's just not going to happen that gym's going to be taken because the advantage is always to the challenger and ivs in your evs or ivs or whatever hidden stats they added is not going to give you any sort of advantage to hold that gym any longer so i don't see what the point is if if there's any noticeable advantage it's slight the real problem with the game is there is the way those stats ends up end up shaking out like Pokemon that in the main series games 
are good because they're very fast. They don't do very well in Pokemon Go because in Pokemon Go, speed is simply added. So while you multiply to get uh, damage based on your, you, you like multiply the base damage based on your attack stat, you then just add your speed stat. So while your attack stat is has a mul- multiplicative effect on the result, the result of your speed stat is only arithmetic. So it has almost no effect relatively, and it results in slow but strong Pokemon like Snorlax. Um, And then Executor is good for similar reasons, uh, also to deal with how the game melded the attack and special attack stats. But, you know, the Pokemon you see all over the place, Dragonite as well isn't that fast of a Pokemon because it doesn't need to be. It just needs to have a lot of HP and attack, which Snorlax, Dragonite, Arcanine, you know, all those, bit, like, Executor, Arc, uh, whatever the other ones are that people... Vaporeon is a great example. That is just... If if the game tweaked its combat system, like, the game needs an overhaul for that. But, it, again, it's not the, the gems that I really even find entertaining about the game, so I'm still enjoying it. I have... Uh, the gems never really... Grabbed me, but I I did start playing again when I got my Pokemon Go Plus. Yeah, which I turn on from time to time, and it, it works. It does its thing. I mean, it it doesn't catch anything uh, other than like Pidgeys and Caterpie, but you know, it it works. It's something. That's that's for sure. Uh, so <laughs> well, you can actually reach a gym from my bedroom uh, at home, so you'll be able to enjoy gym battles while you're visiting me without having to leave the house. Perfect. I would have rathered that be a Pokestop, but... There's like six Pokestops in my neighborhood, Can so. I get them without leaving your, your... No. No. That's a bummer. I'm canceling my trip. Good. Fine. Good. Now I, now I don't have to clean. <laughs> oh. Every day I go to sleep thinking, I wonder how clean Will's house is. Not clean at all. <laughs> That's how clean. I've, I've already, like, covered everything in Clorox, and it's still not enough. I have no good transition for that. Yeah, I was gonna say I can't. I mean, if you want, that, that your is a dirty house. Three D S clean. Oh yeah, Travis visited Will. Uh, maybe Travis and I will exchange notes on how dirty Will's house is. Three uh, D S themes featuring Team Rocket and Team Galactic are now available in North America and Japan. Two brand new Nintendo Three D S themes have been released. They are a dollar ninety nine each. In North America, 200 yen in Japan. The background music for the Team Rocket features Rocket's Hideout from Red and Green. And the background music for Team Galactic is Battle, Team Galactic Commander from Diamond and Pearl. So uh, I think it's safe to say that Diamond and Pearl remake's coming because we got a theme featuring Team Galactic. You heard it here first. You know, people believe you when you say stuff like that. <laughs> Do they? Yes. Um, Probably. Speaking of Pokemon Go, bad segue. I forgot to report on this. I talked about probably six or seven weeks ago. But I've, I've, I mean, I've talked about Lake Park a lot. Lake Park is probably the number one spot in Milwaukee to get your Pokemon Go fix. Very popular. Uh, I read a complaint that the, was it the governor, the mayor? I can't remember. Park, the parks department. Parks department sent a letter to Niantic asking for removal 
of Pokemon Go stops because they didn't authorize it with the park, blah, blah, blah. Niantic removed half the Pokemon Go stops from Lake Park this week. Half? Well, it says half in this post on Reddit. R slash Milwaukee, you know, the number one source of Milwaukee news. That's just weird to me. Like, I wonder, I wonder if it, like, if, if, if they were asking to be removed, you would think they would just remove, remove all. Of, I can't figure out why that, if you were going to remove any, why you wouldn't remove all of them. Yes. Yes. No. I mean, my, my original, like, compromise was just remove a couple because it's still a park. It still should have stops. I think it had a lot of stops. Uh, there was, quote unquote, the waterfall area at, at Lake Park, which is, which a lot of people, it, there's like this waterfall that, that goes down. That's why it's called the waterfall area. And then there's these wooden stairs that bring you all the way down to it. Is that where the uh, Menominee meets Lake Michigan? Yeah, actually, I think so. Well, there you go. Um, and so there's all these stairs and it branches. Menominee. <laughs> Don't make fun of Milwaukee. They've, they're very sensitive people. <laughs> yeah. So at the bottom of the waterfall, there's, there's like branching paths. To, one goes down to the beach, one goes over to like the parking lot, and I think one goes back into just like some forest area. Anyways, when you go down there, there's just like a bunch of areas where it's, you can just sit, and there's three Pokestops in that area. So what a lot of people would just sit along the stairs or just sit at the bottom of the waterfall and then not move because there's three Pokestops there. From what the Reddit post said, uh, somebody in the post said, they actually only removed three it's still a hot spot, and now you don't have to walk so far to the south to those two benches. In a way, it's a little better now. It, this won't deteriorate people from playing there, so I don't get the purpose of only removing three. So, I, again, I don't have confirmation. This, this is all just from Reddit, but somebody says they removed half. Somebody else says they only removed three. On r slash Pokemon Go Milwaukee, which is, again, another subreddit, they said a few were missing. Uh, somebody else confirmed only three to four stops uh, were removed. Somebody else said, I went to Lake Park to confirm that, and all the spots were there as usual. Only a few were missing. So, yeah. They, they only got rid of the ones that were attracting Mr. Mimes, because we all know clowns are now a danger. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, no official word from the Antic. Milwaukee Parks didn't say anything. I don't... I don't think there was ever going to be a compromise to like, hey, remove your game from our parks because the rich people next to it are complaining and yeah. we, didn't, we didn't authorize this per our weird law slash whatever they want to call their geo-caching, geo-fencing, geo-finding rules that they had set up. But I wonder if, I wonder if the removal of half of them was done without really Niantic responding. Like, I wonder if it's, it was meant to be done quietly such that, so that it didn't catch a a lot of attention because I doubt Niantic wants to have to deal with all of these different requests. Like maybe the thought process, if you only remove half, fewer people would notice that anything changed. Well, it's definitely not half. There's probably, I want to say, almost 20 stops there. Yeah. So if they only remove three, that brings it down to 17. Oh, I thought, I thought you said half earlier. Well, the uh, initial title said half, but people are confirming they only mo- removed three. Oh, okay. 
So well, because yeah, Reddit is known for accuracy and right, yes. above all else. I mean, I, I'm going to trust the multiple people in the post saying they only removed three than the person who made the post that said half. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I know my sister who's still playing Pokemon Go and and she said she's been to Lake Park recently uh, after this post was made, so she didn't she didn't complain that it was less Pokemon or anything like that. And I mean, that's what the, I mean. That's what the post is saying is there's still plenty of Pokemon to get. There's just three less stops. I mean, removing stops isn't re- removing Pokemon. It's just removing your ability to collect items. But yeah, I, I it's interesting. I, I would be curious if Niantic has removed stops in other cities slash parks based on traffic. I mean, I only know where I live. I don't know if in Michigan or if DC there are places where there are still a bunch of people playing Pokemon Go. Obviously, Lake Park is that for Milwaukee, but I'm sure there's places like that in every city slash populated area. I mean, I'm sure it's just not any places that I go. You mean places where there's just a lot of Pokestops? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we can transition into Pokemon Generations. So we are on episodes five and six. Episode five is titled The Legacy. The description is in the wake of Team Rocket's takeover of Goldenrod Radio Tower. Detective Looker investigates and leads him to an enigmatic young trainer. Enigmatic. Enigmatic. Enigmatic? What does that mean? Excited? Mysterious. Mysterious. Yeah. It it has the same root as enigma. If you describe something as enigmatic, you're saying it is like an enigma. You you can't. There's there are parts of it that you don't understand or or can't get access to. So six episodes. Obviously, we're talking about episode five right now, but Giovanni, Team Rocket, and Looker kind of have been the the focus of the majority of these episodes. Yeah, they've been in a lot. Especially since Looker wasn't introduced until Gen 4, Gen 3. I know somebody's, there's, somebody said he was like slightly mentioned at one point in, uh, in Crystal, looked, or not Crystal, but uh, Emerald, I think, was the first time he appeared. We looked it up uh, in a previous episode. Platinum is his first appearance in the Main games. Appearance, and, yes. And yeah. someone made a suggestion that maybe a, there's someone who, who, identifies as like an investigator of some sort in on the SSAN or something in Gen yeah, 1, but yep, that, that could just be anyone. But people were saying, hey, maybe it's maybe Looker, and they made him later, was supposed to be a throwback to that. All right, so episode five opens with a Firo flying in the sky. We see Silver, uh, Red Hair, the rival in, obviously, Gold and Silver. Silver approaches Looker, and... I don't know how long we're going to spend talking about this episode because nothing happens in this episode except one thing. Looker says, hey, stop, I'm a cop. You're a kid, and so you should answer me. And then Silver uh, holds true to its game personality, and I'm sure comic slash anime book personality of being a jerk. I think that holds true. Yeah, he sort of he Looker asks him to for information about Giovanni, but then he informs him that he hasn't seen his father in a 
very long time that he three years. Yeah, that that he had a bit of an altercation with them and ran off. And then from then on, decided that he wanted to carve out his own legacy because <laughs> it's Pokemon Generations episode five or four five. or whatever. Yeah, the leg- legacy. Looker then reveals the reason why he stopped was because Team Rocket infiltrated the Goldenrod radio tower. Nothing's more intimidating than three grunts running in with a Zubat. I too would run. They seem their motive to capturing the radio tower was to call out for Giovanni. See if Giovanni was listening to come back to Team Rocket. As much as I love, love Heart Gold Soul Silver, which is the last time I played Gold and Silver, I don't really remember this at all. The, I mean, like, I remember the Team, Team Rocket. The Team Rocket takeover of, of the Goldenrod radio tower happened, but it didn't have all of these details. And yeah, I, I remember the, the takeover. That, I don't believe it was ever stated that their purpose for doing it was to contact Giovanni. I don't remember that detail, but maybe I forgot to. Yeah, that's the detail yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, that was definitely a mission that you had to undergo, and then you get a reward for successfully defeating them. Right. The question is, was was the detail in those games that they were trying to contact Giovanni? And I think that's no. just an addition for this short, and I believe that is. Also, the, the fact that the red-haired dude was Giovanni's son, I never picked up on that before. Oh, the, the, I mean, in a, the original Gold and Silver, the hints towards it are very, very slight to the extent of really being non-existent. It's confirmed in the manga that he or at least heavily hinted i haven't read a lot of the manga but it's either heavily hinted or confirmed in the manga that he is that silver is giovanni's kid and then heart gold and soul silver there's an extra little side mission where you talk to where you fight giovanni again or something and he says and he makes a reference to his son, and it's heavily implied that that's silver. So that's where that all that comes from. It's mostly in the manga, and then in Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Um, I don't know enough about the anime. Well, I guess silver isn't in the anime, so that no. wouldn't be relevant. No. Right? Yeah. So yeah. My, my other question is: um, at the beginning of Heart Gold and Soul Silver, he steals a Pokemon. He literally like breaks into the Pokemon lab and steals a Pokemon. Correct. Silver does. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so. Why doesn't Looker arrest him on the spot for Pokemon theft? Looker, we've already established Looker is like the worst police investigator in the world. Well, I don't, he's not really police, he's just an investigator. He's part of the international police. Okay, all right. All right, so a couple things. One. Uh, uh, Can I answer Will's question? Yes. Can I attempt? I think you you could argue two things. One, maybe... The statute of limitations is up. Three things. One, the statute of limitations is up, but that was a long time ago. There is no statute of limitations on Pokemon theft. Go on, number two. <laughs> number two, <laughs> Looker is not aware of that local theft because he's in the international police. His jurisdiction is over these larger issues like the Team Rocket's operations, and so he wouldn't necessarily have the knowledge of one random theft in uh, in a small town in Johto. One one random theft from an internationally famous Pokemon researcher's lab. Sure. Okay. Theory three, 
just like happens in a lot of media and probably in real life when you're trying to get information about a larger crime you often that you see police at least in media and maybe in real life overlooking smaller infractions from other people so that they can get information about the larger target like and then you let the person go i've seen that in a lot of movies <laughs> and, a, and a lot of fiction but the, i mean that still leaves open the real question of what about that poor toto dial <laughs> uh okay <laughs> you know How that you know it didn't enjoy hanging out with silver after being stolen that that you're you're right we don't know if he enjoyed it okay so a couple things First, there was all the conspiracy theories that Red slash Ash was Giovanni's kid. Obviously, not true now at this point, because that's Silver. Second, Looker is in, uh, interrogating Silver in front of the Pokemon League, which is a little annoying for Episode 5 that we jumped from the end of the Pokemon League of Gen 1 to now the Pokemon League for Gen 2. And in between that, we have yet to see any Gen 2 Pokemon. They open the thing with Firo. They show an Arbok and a Weezing and a Zubat in the radio tower. It's a little frustrating that... Well, wait, wait, wait. Doesn't the the red Gyarados count as a Gen 2 Pokemon? No, absolutely not. Wow. Those are just the, the things I pointed out. Silver finally decides to open up to Looker for whatever reason, how they got to that point. It's four minutes, so hey, just you know, tell him what you need. Tell him what you need to do to progress the story. Uh, Giovanni is leaving after losing to the two trainers. Silver confronts him, saying that he's weak and that he doesn't want to be weak like his old man. Blah blah blah, and then he runs away crying. That scene goes on for way too long. Goes back to Looker. Silver says he has no information, has nothing to really tell him, is not interested in his father. He's going to go challenge the Pokemon League and pretty much end episode. Yeah, that's about it, except the argument was that um, Giovanni relies on amassing groups of people for to gain power rather than relying on the power within himself. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> what's the goal of this episode? Is the goal of this episode to establish that Silver is Giovanni's son is the goal of this episode to establish that even though Team Rocket wanted Giovanni back and tried to make an effort for that, Giovanni didn't respond. Is the goal of this episode to continue making Giovanni look like a jerk in the sense of he was kind of a jerk to Silver, but not really? Just, I mean, he, he left Silver, yes, but he said that Silver wouldn't understand. He left Team Rocket and didn't explain why. Like, I'm just not clear of what the intent is. And I say that because they spent an entire episode on this. Out of 18 episodes, they spent one episode to establish that Silver was Giovanni's son for what possible reason? Like, does that... A lot of people really like... A lot of people really like Silver as a as a rival, and a lot of people really like the Giovanni Silver connection as well. So I think in the same way that a lot of these episodes are aiming to fill in gaps about things that about aspects of the lore that fans are interested in, 
But did you need it's, it's did you need to take a whole episode to establish that one tiny plot point in twenty years of Pokemon to say like, oh, these two are related. Let's move on. Like that was the whole episode. Don't get me wrong. I think this is an. I think this is one of the weaker episodes. But you could also argue that it's to show, as Will said, the difference between these, the philosophy of the two characters that that Silver wants to forge his own path on his own and and make his own, make a name for himself. Whereas, like Will said, Giovanni is more content with proving his strength through a large network of of associates um that it's that the to uh, to juxtapose the two philosophies but but I, yeah i agree that it's a weaker episode yeah i guess and honestly if you if you watch it in the original japanese it's full of a lot of more subtext and motifs that you just don't pick up on in the English Ugh. translation Ugh. but yeah I, yes totally but we've already established giovanni as a character and we kind of already had all his characteristics and personality mm-hmm. it's it's i have, I have two questions one i don't remember but do you battle giovanni and heart gold soul silver for yes so he is back at that gym correct no in our gold soul silver the gym leader the um the viridian gym leader is blue but in heart gold soul silver they add an extra fight that wasn't originally in gold and silver where you meet Giovanni, I believe in the route that's to the West of Viridian city. Although the details of that are a little hazy for me because it was, it's been a while since yeah, I played yeah. our gold, soul, silver. Um, but you fight Giovanni again, just on one of the routes. And then he says the line of that implies that silver is his kid in the game. The other question was, Oh man, now I can't remember. <laughs> No, that's fine. I just think it's interesting. And it's not really a question, it's more of a complaint. It's clear that Red and Blue and Gold and Silver were only supposed to be the only four games in the series because they want to build up these characters like Silver, like Gold, like Red, or Blue. And then when Gen 3 comes, they're like, okay, hey, maybe we should switch to normal names because uh, I guess we're having more than four games. What do you mean normal names? Like Gen 5, you're the protagonist is, I think, Xavier? Or is that Gen 6? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. But yeah. no, in the I think in the manga, they still use the color names. Yep. I think there's, I think you have like, a, you, yeah, I think you have black and white as characters, I think, in the manga. Um, and oh, yeah, because even, even when Black 2 and White 2 came out, they had... The name was Black. Nuke. I'm Black too. Well, yeah, but it was sort of tongue in cheek in that it was a it it was written differently or something, but phonetically it was still Black too, White too. I think. I mean, I don't like I said. I don't. I haven't read the manga, so I don't know all the details. But I think I remember reading that once. Yeah, I don't know. Is it for me? It's just a personal disconnect of being like, okay, your name is Silver or your name is Gold, and Gold, and then it's like, oh, I'm Wally or I'm. A, a blah 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 normal name like Karina or Valerie or Brock or Misty or like all these like somewhat like uh, my name is just not a color but that's just a complaint <laughs> that I have I don't know in some cultures Steve is a color yes you are correct <clears throat> in Brazil I hear I'm all no. over the 
No. Brazilian Facebooks. Well, you may be. And uh, if you do want to tell your neighbor I speak Portuguese and if he wants to send me some screenshots, I may be able to help him figure out what's going on. But go on. Uh, yeah, it's just a super weak episode. I don't know. Especially when this is like 20 years of Pokemon. We're not going to show you really any Pokemon. We're just going to talk about Giovanni because we've already talked about him. So let's talk about him again. You guys they, like Looker, right? 18, they've got 18 episodes to fill here. Come on, cut them a break. They can't all be Gold Star. You're right. They all can't be Gold Star. Let's they talk. can't be all as good as episode six because that was a sweet episode. Really? I yeah, also didn't I, like I like this one a lot. Although I, I do want to interject and say that the protagonists of Black 2 and White 2 of the Pokemon Adventures manga are Black 2 and Kwai 2. That's terrible. I mean, if they're, sti- if they're sticking with a theme, good on them. Like, I'm glad they, they sought the color thing all the way through. At some point in, in the video games, they were like, hey, maybe these color names don't work and people can't relate to that. How do you guys feel about the name Wally? All right, cool. Uh, Hilbert. <laughs> it was. It was Hilbert and Hilda, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gen 5. Xavier was Gen 6. Because uh, Hilbert's a real name. What was the two from Gen 3? I can't remember. Like Brandon? And, was Ruby it Brandon one? Probably. I think you're right, yeah. You know, they as as much as people like really love to debate red slash silver slash blue, no one remembers anyone's names after that. Correct. <laughs> I hate the Pokemon storyline. Let's continue. Brendan is Gen 3. You were so close. Ah, so close. Oh, and, and, and May is actually the, I guess, the name for the... Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what they introduced I, I was... in the anime? May. <laughs> I was I thought that was just I thought that was in my head just because that was the anime name, yeah. but I guess it, it's the same across both both uh franchises. Hey, but you know, remember the anime and the games don't touch each other, you know, minus the fact that Bianca and Sharon are also in the anime. Dun dun dun. For like three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Red and Ash are the same person. Let it let it die. Alright. Gen 6, the reawakening Gen 6, episode 6. Woo! The mysterious travel Isween? Isine? Usine. Usine explores the legends of Yurkrecht City. I can never say that city name. Ecrutique. Ecrutique City's burned a tower and the Pokemon who rose from its ashes. All right, so this episode opens with. This, the image of the burn tower in the background, the real tower, we see this, I don't know, he looks like the juggler in the video game, how he's dressed, he has like yeah. a cape. Uh, Got a big bow tie on. Big old bow tie, cape, long, luscious blonde hair walking up to the burn tower. Wait, wasn't his hair blue? No, it's blonde. Hmm. It might have been blue in... in- his sprite might have might have been bluish and crystal. I don't remember. No, I, I mean I was watching this while I was walking to my car, so God knows what refractions of light yeah, were happening. Yeah, on my phone. Sure. Good old purple outfit. So the burn tower is a bigger part of gold and silver. I don't understand why this episode didn't debut before episode five, since. I feel like if you're going to establish a character walking into the Pokemon League, you're closing out your generation. But that's just me. Yes, that's just your opinion. 
it cuts to a flashback uh, and explains that these three unnamed Pokemon were stuck inside the tower as it was burning down. It was struck by lightning. And they look, I'm just going to say they look like Houndors in shape and silhouette. They never say what mysterious Pokemon they were. There was a lot of theories and rumors that, you know, these were a a Flareon and a Jolteon and a Vaporeon that burned and then Ho-Oh brought them back into Anti-Suicune and Raikou. They don't say. They they do look like they have different silhouettes from each other, but they certainly... I think one even looks almost like a boar. So I don't think my my they specifically say three nameless Pokemon were trapped in the tower when it burned. So for my in my head, that means. We were at a a point in Pokemon history where we hadn't named all the species yet, and these were just three random Pokemon we didn't really know much about that perished in the tower and then were, I guess at that point you can, you can continue with the, the narration that <laughs> revitalizes them. But that, that's how I interpret it, at least. Yeah. And here's my, here's my complaint with the last two episodes, because I got to be the one that complains, is this episode doesn't establish anything new. Like, I felt like the game really fleshed out what was happening. You have... In episode five, a fan theory or a fan rumor or, a, you know, if you didn't pick up on it, it was very, it was never clearly stated that Silver was Giovanni's son. And they took an episode to establish that. And this episode, they don't establish anything. Like the game clearly states what happened. And the fan theory was, oh, this was a Vaporeon. This was a Jolteon. Jolteon watch. This was a... Flareon, did I say Flareon? Vaporeon, Jolteon? Yes. That they got burned. But again, but but the episode for unraveling the lore, for making, filling in questions or expanding the lore, they do the complete opposite. They give us more questions. Who are these unnamed Pokemon? Like, why, why do they look like, why do they not look like Pokemon in the 720 Pokedex? Like, uh, because the fire had already started and their discerning features had been burned and melted off. You are a horrible, horrible person. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But the point of this is to I- expand the lore. This episode does the complete opposite of this. I think that's why I like it. Because purely giving me details about the Pokemon world is boring to me. So just adding information about a world that's disconnected from any sort of emotion or sentiment doesn't really mean a lot to me that's why i I didn't like some of the early ones of this and it's why the only bit i do like about episode five was the thing at the end where silver says i'm doing this to make my own name like that's those are the things that connect for me so with this one showing this uh, older culture and doing so in a different art style doesn't you're right it doesn't add detail to the lore but it, for me, characterizes this city in such a way that that I now have a better understanding of what these, what the people in the city cares about and what their cultural values are, and that has a lot more meaning to me. Like what fleshing out this this city and and showing what these people care about it means more to me than just 
explaining a, a question mark that was left by the games and like filling in like lore details. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like, and I think fleshing out are the key words there. It's taking what was represented to you in words and interactions with the NPCs in the games and turning it into, into something visual, a visual story that you can see about like when the tower burned and the birth of these three uh, legendary dogs and and everything like that. It's, you know, some some of the finer details can be lost when you're sort of making that visual creation here. Playing through gold and silver, like this, this story that they're telling is the story that I remember pretty vividly from the games. So I and was, we all know you hate story, so... Yeah, but I like... <laughs> story that adds to the pokemon world without including like a crutch like az or lysander where uh, he's going to build a giant cannon i like this story specifically because it's saying this pokemon created these three pokemon in this city in this region and that works no matter in any game Whereas in X and Y, you're you're saying Exernius only can power this cannon and was trapped for this long because of this person, and that just doesn't work for me. Like, this person is, I don't know, I've complained about it before, but I just don't think it works in a... 20 year overlook i think it works for that game in that situation but i don't think it works in like 20 years of pokemon history like this does i i guess i would ask then what about this episode does not do that story justice i mean the 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 episode is fine the episode is sound i just think that like my complaint is that this episode came off of an episode where they spent the entire episode to give you one tiny detail and like lock that in and this episode doesn't give you anything new and instead makes you ask who are these unnamed pokemon and why do why doesn't anyone know about them like to me these episodes are supposed to be expanding on the lore and that's exactly your guys's point in the last episode and now your guys's point in this episode is i'm okay with them not expanding on the lore i mean in the last in the last episode we, we recorded i i about this i said no, I mean the last episode, as in like episode five, as you guys were saying, the the point of Silver and Giovanni was expand oh, on the yeah. lore, and then this episode oh, is complete I, I opposite. Mean, like I said, I, like I said, I think that last episode is bad. The only <laughs> part of that episode I like is the end, where it tells you about the characters, where it tells you about the people, not about where they were and when they were. Like, uh, so here's a good comparison. So, is it episode two where it's Looker going into the Viridian Gym trying to look for Giovanni or whatever? Yes. Whatever. Whatever episode that was. That tells you nothing about those characters other than lore. And by lore, I mean the details about where these care, like what these characters are doing and how the time, like what the timeline of events are. Those are the types of things I'm categorizing under lore. These really detail heavy things that just tell you like spatially where the characters are in relationship to each other that thing doesn't really tell you much about looker as a character or giovanni as a character it just says hey this was also happening while you were playing your game this explains why you know 
Giovanni is a criminal and can still have a gym. So here's an explanation that makes it make sense. It doesn't tell me about these people. Whereas, and, and I think most of episode five is the same. It's saying, oh, there's this thing that we've always thought about these two characters about, about Silver and Giovanni, but we haven't really given you all of the details of how they're related to each other. Here's those details. Then at the very tail end, they, they also have Silver give that line, which, you know, if this were my, if this were my other podcast where I review things critically, I would say ham fisted, but this is like ham fisted line where he says, you know, I'm doing this to forge my own path or make my own name, whatever it is. He says, um, in Pokemon, I'll take ham fisted, right? I'll take any characterization of these people I can get. I'll take any like feeling from these characters I can get because you typically don't get that. And so it's that bit that I like about episode five. It's not the lore surrounding it. I find that stuff boring. So when we get to episode six and it's purely about this city and what this event means to those people, I find that more sentimentally and emotionally meaningful than like a detail about what species of Pokemon are sitting at the bottom of the tower. Like that doesn't concern me very much. See that, that is like my top concern. Like I want to know what those Pokemon were. Then by that, then by, you know, by your, by your metrics, it's, it's a, then it would be a bad episode. So I guess I understand that. I guess, I, guess I would have been different criteria. I would have been more okay if they never showed silhouettes of Pokemon that I cannot recognize. If that makes any okay. sense, like don't <laughs> yeah. don't show me that these Pokemon like it would have almost been better if they looked like Vaporeon, Jolteon, Flareon. Not that I'm saying I subscribe to that theory. I think it's I think it's a fun theory, but that would have been more like, oh, OK, they didn't say it. But hey, look at look at that. Like that's something to talk about. Instead, we get an episode with Yusin and I don't know who the heck this is. I don't care about him. Like, why is he here? We get to the point of the episode where they show Ho-Oh coming down. We all know the story. Ho-Oh comes down. Uh, they don't really explain why Ho-Oh does or why Ho-Oh hasn't done this for any other Pokemon. But hey, maybe we haven't gotten there yet. Ho-Oh revives these three uh, unknown Pokemon. We see Raikou, Suicune, Entai. And then in that flashback, we see Yusin as a kid peering upon these Pokemon. And it's like, okay, the, like, the story is sound. You know, tower burns down, three Pokemon get stuck, they die, Ho-Oh comes, revives it. Why is Yusin here? Why, why do we care about him? He's, the, the description says he's a mysterious travel traveler that explores the burn tower, but why? He's a, he's a character you interact with in the game quite a bit. I don't remember him at all! <laughs> he's in Crystal and Heart Gold and Soul Silver. He's the guy who's all about Suicune and finding more about Suicune and that yeah. sort of thing. You encounter um, him in the burn tower. You have to like chase him down and then you see the legendary dogs and then you have to like keep meeting him and then you meet them and yeah, he's real. He's legit. Just don't care about these people. Like Giovanni, I completely care about because I think he's important as a gym leader. I think he's also cool as the like, member of Team Rocket. There are a countless number of Team Rocket grunts that I could care less about, but obviously they're grunts. They don't matter. But even if, I don't know. We see you see as a kid looking upon, he gets really excited. Uh, dad slash parent says, no, boy, and then starts throwing rocks because something, something, religion, something got to throw rocks at these legendary Pokemon because they, they were scared at how powerful they had become. 
I, I, I don't are living in a time where they might be just that it takes place in the same time that our mythical podcast takes place. They're 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 defenseless. There's giant monsters attacking their city. They didn't attack anything. Oh my! I don't yeah, know. but they thought that. But they thought they might. You know, is that is this, that what you the, guys got from it? That yeah, they, they were threatened. They were threatened by the strength of these new creatures. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were scared. I don't know about yeah, you, I mean, but it, I don't it think. It's a callback to the movie Zoroark Master of Illusions where the three legendary dogs were accused of attacking the city. I don't I think you're stretching that really thin. I also don't think that even if they were scared, I don't think throwing rocks is going to be the way to uh, you know, defend your city. While I agree that throwing a rock is not the tactically superior option for how to defend yourself against three legendary Pokémon, I think it's just a gesture that the short shows you to communicate that people were afraid of these things and were trying desperately to get them away from them, even though they didn't mean any harm. Um, and I think we, I think we got off track on the, like, should I care about you seen question when I think Steve, your main point about what you perceive as a weakness in this episode is the fact that it shows silhouettes of the unnamed pokemon and and i think i think that's your your strongest point like why do that and i think and and my counter argument would be that in doing so and in saying that they they are these unnamed pokemon that it does more to tell us about the character of suicune raikou and entei that that the it shows them without the what would you call headdress or headpiece that Suicune, Entei, and Raikou have that um that these were just typical Pokemon, so typical they didn't even have names at this point. They weren't they weren't special enough to 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 have some sort of like species classification at this point in Pokemon history that you know they were just essentially animals that then after this process they gain their they gain this new identity they gain names and they gain these um these headpieces that make them into legendary creatures that they go from they, they were it, the everyman pokemon that became <laughs> lords of the kingdom yeah like you, you don't get that transformation unless you say that they're nameless and you show them without the headpieces i 100% agree with you i i like that viewpoint Moving back to Yusin, you uh, I, clearly I do not do not remember him from the games. I never played Crystal. I definitely played Heart Gold Soul Silver. It's been eight years or however long it's been since Heart Gold Soul Silver. The story of Anti Raikou Suicune obviously established in the game. They they establish it here. They don't really add to that story. They don't really add anything extra to that. But with Yusin, again, and you guys know better than I who he is or why we should care, it starts with him going back to the Burn Tower, him as a flashback as kids, seeing these Pokemon for the first time. Obviously, that's when, you know, you generate interest. Comes back to the, we go back forward to the Burn Tower, where he is in, he sees Suicune again. Again, I guess that makes sense with you guys saying he loves Suicune. I don't know why out of the three he picked Suicune, but okay, whatever. A lot of people like Suicune. Uh, and then the episode ends with a Ho-Oh feather falling to the ground. I'd like to know what your guys' thoughts on that is. Episode-wise, if I don't know about Yusin, which I have admitted I don't, 
This episode doesn't do any justice for me to care about Yusin or establish anything about Yusin other than he saw the three legendary dogs as a kid. He wants to find them now. That's the only point of reference I have where at least in the Giovanni focused episodes or even the Looker episodes, I clearly know Giovanni's intentions. I clearly know Looker's intentions. I would argue, though, if you didn't already know that from the game, that that you would feel equally as you would feel just as disconnected from those those characters that at least with you seen, we understand his motivations, that he sees the horror of the people around him rejecting the three legendary Pokemon in his childhood, which I would point out, I don't believe in the games it was ever established that he as a child saw this happen. So if you are judging it based on the addition of lore details, um, I think that's an added one. So even though that's that's you know, those are my criteria, I think the added detail does give you information about you seeing. And I would say that in those other episodes about Giovanni, about Looker, even the the one about Blue, you don't really know anything about those characters unless you've unless you've played the game. So this just happens to be a slightly more obscure character um, than some of those other ones. Um, and then my other point would be that that it does tell you more about the Suicune Raiko Ente story because I don't think it was ever stated in the games that before this resurrection that they were just typical Pokemon. I think it just says that they were Pokemon that perished and then were resurrected. So um, so if we are going to concede to the criteria of judging this based on what it adds to the lore, that it, I think this episode still stands to be a success under either my or your criteria. And the reason why he's looking for Suicune specifically, there's three reasons. Number one, because his name is almost an anagram of Suicune. It's got most of the letters in there. Uh, number two. That's the reason I look for a Pokemon. Number two, you put Tailwind, Snarl, uh, what else are you going to put? Scald on there on a Suicune? That's good on any doubles team. Suicune is a contender through the number life of Pokemon. Number three, he loves Pokemon Tournament. Number three. He's a big fan. Suicune jumped over him when he left the tower. The other two oh, went yeah. in the other direction. And it was like yeah. framed perfectly in his iris. So it's like they had a connection, dude. That's you got me. You got me. They had a moment. Thoughts with the ho o feather falling at the end. That didn't say anything to me. Yeah, no. Meh. Whatever. Ho is just like so weird to me. Whatever. I, this <laughs> Give me less you seen. Give me more Ho-Oh. Because Ho-Oh can resurrect Pokemon, and I want to know more about that. Well, he's I, a phoenix. I, <laughs> I mean... As, as someone who survived... And I, I, I mention this all the time because it pretty profoundly changed the way I judge media and, and interact with it. Which is going to sound silly at first, but I truly mean it. As someone who survived the six seasons of Lost, I no longer value answers to questions as something in and of itself valuable in media. Um, Lost was a show that built itself on mysteries and questions, and then, spoiler alert, in season six, the all, it one, didn't answer all of the questions, and two, 
the answers it did gave were extremely unsatisfying and made me realize that the fact that I was so invested purely in the mystery of this franchise of this series meant I was just begging to be disappointed when those answers came. So for me, I no longer really value mystery in and of itself as a great tool for, for giving media value unless that, that mystery is used as a catalyst for telling you more about characters or about the situation or, or, or giving you some meaning other than, than mystery. So I think that's a difference. I think that's just a difference of philosophy between me and you, Steve, that, you know, I don't care about, about just finding like learning more details about how, how, how works, but giving me answers to questions I didn't even know I had, like what was the culture of Ecratique city like in response to this incident that happened in the burning tower? And like, how did people emotionally respond to seeing this powerful thing in front of them? That that's more in line with the type of thing that I like to experience in media. Again, that's, that's awesome. I love your viewpoint. I love bringing these episodes up because I think it, it gives great discussions to our personalities and how we value things in the Pokemon world. Obviously, I don't care as much for the people in the world uh, as I do for the Pokemon in the world. Mm-hmm. I look at you scene and I want to know what the end goal is. And I think that's what frustrates me with if you take these three unnamed Pokemon and they are, and Ho-Oh gets involved. I guess the end goal there is Ho-Oh makes three legendary Pokemon out of three Pokemon that died in a fire. There's a start and there's a finish there. How did these Pokemon become legendary? Or why do they exist? They be, exist because of Ho-Oh. That story is, you know, said and done. And it works in the Pokemon lore. And it works. It worked 18 years ago. It works now. It'll work 10 years in the future. I look at something like Hussein. And I don't know much about him, even though I played the games. And I now know his intent is to find Suicune because of this childhood incident that he has. He goes back to the Burn Tower to, again, try to establish that. As Will said in the games, he's consistently looking for the Suicune. I don't see the end goal. What happens when he finds Suicune? Does he capture Suicune? Does he not capture Suicune? Does he always check? Is, is he always trying to get Suicune? It, it opens up more questions. Are there more than one Suicune? If he has Suicune, can I not get Suicune as a Pokemon trainer? Uh, and obviously, you know, because of the distributions, you know, a million people have Mew, a million people have Victini. Are there more than one of these Pokemon? They never say that. But I guess my point is, do we ever figure out what happens with Yusin? Does he get Suicune? Does he not get Suicune? What happens when he gets Suicune? I mean, really, all those questions, I don't care. And this episode doesn't make me care anymore. Sure, man. Fine, Suicune. That's your, that's your goal. Okay. All right. So he, here's the problem, Steve. You, you got to change your eye. All right. Are you ready to change your eye? No. Do you think you can do it? <laughs> okay. Because you are looking for narrative in Pokemon Generations. Pokemon Generations is not about narrative. Pokemon Generations is about art and each piece is a separate art piece installation. So just what I want you to do before the next one comes out, try, work on it. Think of it as 18 artists were given the task. 
I want you to take one piece of story, something that has occurred in the Pokemon games, and I want you to create a five-minute short around that piece. They do not have to be contiguous. All 18 do not have to tell a consistent story. Each one stands independently and just reflects upon some aspect of the game that was meaningful to you. And then... I'm then not it looking makes a for more sense. consistent story. You are. You are. I'm You're not. I'm not. They could. Closing. They could have established that the city revolted these Pokemon without Usain. They did not need Usain's. Flashback you, and, you and what bothers that. you is you're not getting closure. You're not going to get closure because this isn't about closure. It's not start, middle, end. There, it's, there uh, is closure. This, this is there something is for you to view. There is closure on the whole story about the tower being burned and Ho coming. That is, you're right. I want closure. There is, there is absolute closure in that Pokemon lore. There is going to be no closure ever for Usain. They don't really establish much else with Usain besides the points we've made up to this point uh what what happens is do they bring back you for another episode seems like it they've already done giovanni and looking for two we're probably not done with them either i would be i would be astonished if they brought back you but i, I will def don't do I'll it de- no, no 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 i i still think this is this is by far the best pokemon generations episode although i will defend what or maybe try to articulate a different way in which you seen as a problem in this short i think when with the reason that you seen comes off as a strange question mark by the end of this that you're um, picking up on steve is that this story is really about acritique city and about ho-oh suicune raiko and entei however the short spend even though those those People in that city and those Pokemon are the real emotional heart of the story. The short spends too much time on Yusin. Yusin should just be a framing tool for us to jump between the past and the present so that, you know, to, to do what is done in this episode to, to show you that this is a flashback, but they spend too much time on, on, on like showing him arriving in town and then it takes him a while to go to the top of the tower it should be you know you should just start at him at the top of the tower sort of rubbing the burned the, the charred wood and then flashing back to his childhood and then maybe briefly flashing back i guess as it does just for the ho feather i think it takes too much time at the beginning establishing you seen as this very important person to this story when he's really more of a bystander that just acts as a proxy for the audience to get us in on it and i think that it it probably could be improved if it made you seem more of an observer than trying to position him as like an active participant in this story. As well, well worded. I guess my my last point is I think episode one does everything the best. And I think that's because when I was watching episode one and it goes through all six generations very quickly points out something that you should remember about that generation and besides i think maybe generation three because i didn't i forgot or didn't realize the weather station was that important it it worked fully and in the one where uh red goes to the pokemon league and or I'm sorry, when Blue goes to the Pokemon League and goes and challenges everything, I could relate to that. And again, there's there's that that was an, also an episode with really no closure and 
left more than uh more questions than stuff answered like why is he sitting at the dark in the dark at the end uh what does a pokemon league champion do after being can't become champion again it doesn't answer those questions and that's fine in the last episode even though i think that is the worst episode uh, episode five i still think that episode is relatable i think that especially with people that do have parent issues or specifically father issues i think it is very relatable to go my dad my parent my mom did this wrong made bad decisions i'm going to rebel i'm going to go this other way i'm going to be an accomplishment i think that relates to what i did in life when you know i tried to move out and my parents said that i would you know drop out of school or i wouldn't have a place to live or i wouldn't be able to live off you know working at a restaurant 40 hours a week as i did when i was 18 and i moved out i think that episode hits home with all of those points uh and then this episode it does a great job at telling you the story of suicune anti raikou uh ho-oh uh but yusin is just there and he to me is not really relatable at all and i think you make a great point travis is if they like yusin has to be there for uh for the framing like we have to get to the city we have to do the flashback we have to do the flash forward like that all works in the aspect of storytelling but i think you're absolutely right that they spend so much time on you scene and they don't really answer any more questions or give you any more lore about you scene except for the fact that he is still hunting for suicune uh and the feather thing is a little weird uh i'm disappointed that none of us have anything about that i was hoping you guys would have an answer because like that does leave a big question for me of like why does that feather drop but i i guess i could jump to like ho-oh was a part of that city obviously ho-oh and lugia left when one of the towers burnt down but maybe ho-oh is always there that's why the feathers there but who knows that's just my that's just my last point i think it's funny i i always find that more often when there's a disagreement about the quality of a piece of media that you know you do have the times where someone makes the argument like this is complete garbage and here are the 12 reasons why and then the next person says no i love this thing all of your 12 reasons make no sense here's my 12 reasons why it's amazing like you do have those instances where there's complete disconnect of opinion that that every single point made by the other is refuted but i think more often people recognize the same issues but simply weigh them differently. I, I agree that it spends too much time on Yusin and that it doesn't then pay off on the time it spends on him. But to me, that's a smaller infraction in a piece that overall I think does a great job at telling the story about these Pokemon and this city. And for me, the great job it does with that is enough to outweigh that that small grievance i have but i can respect that you know if i can respect that sometimes mistakes or or bad choices in in creating something are more bothersome depending on your disposition or your um priorities when it comes to understanding media so i think it's funny that we basically agree on all points with the exception of how do we weigh those points in terms of determining the quality of this media (laughs) And I disagree with both of you and think this episode rivals Shakespeare's Love Slaver, Love's 
labors lost for quality of narrative within narrative. And I'll leave please get the, please get out. I mean, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to be mad or be disappointed with these episodes, even though I have expressed disappointment when they're just you know four minutes long. It's not like we're committing an hour to each episode and going, "Oh boy, did they really drop the ball on that character?" It's like we're committing an hour to each episode. I know We've our dis- our discussion like ninety minutes. Our discussion of the episodes is longer than the episodes themselves. Maybe that says something. I, you guys all, people wanted anime talk. Here is your anime talk. You have 12 more episodes of this anime talk before we never to speak of generations again. Oh, I mean, if you want anime talk, just mention Ash Greninja in your Twitter feed. Boy, the woo. feedback you'll get on that. Woo. woo, woo, woo. All right. Well, yeah, I didn't expect us to go this long. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're just going to talk about these new mid evolution starter Pokemon, and then uh, our Pokemon of the Week. And we are back from our break. Boy, that was some generation talk that we did. <laughs> We're now in generation two of this episode. <laughs> I uh, want to thank everyone that came out for our movie night last night. We watched Curium and the Sword of Justice. Uh, since we already talked a bunch of anime, I'll just keep my review of it short. I was on the bandwagon of disliking the Celebi movie the most. And Will always gave me flack for that. But now I can confidently say that the Keldeo movie is the worst Pokemon movie I've seen. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, the best Pokemon movie I've seen is des- definitely Destiny Deoxys. No question there. That movie's great. I think the Darkrai movies, while the plot in the Darkrai movie is extremely weak and extremely confusing, I think that movie's just fun. I think the Zoroark movie is okay. I think the Lucario movie, as much as I dislike Lucario, I think the Lucario movie is actually pretty sound. I mean, the Lucario movie starts off pretty weak and pretty bad, but it ends pretty well. And the Lucario movie has the Reggie Gigas, the Reggie, the Reggies, uh, and those are all great. Uh, but the Keldeo movie, here's the cool thing about the Keldeo movie that I will give it credit for. It is the only Pokemon movie up to the date that doesn't, well, I guess Destiny Deoxys doesn't have a bad guy. Uh, but that's, and that's why I like Disney Deoxys. There's no bad guy in the Keldeo movie. Kel, the, the, the basic plot is Keldeo is trying to become a sort of justice, uh, Terrakion, Ver- Verizon, I'm pretty sure they call it Verizon because we were making cell phone jokes the entire time. Ver- and, but Verizian is the name of the Pokemon. No, I, they, they say Verizon. They don't say Verizion. I could be wrong. I was I mean, laughing I didn't too see hard. the movie. I'll take your word for it. Because you know the movies, like yeah, the movies are like quote unquote how you're supposed to say the actual Pokemon. Because Rayquaza yeah. is actually Rayquaza, according to the movie. Yeah, and that's that's so. And and I've been saying I've been being like a nice, good child and saying Raiko this whole time. I think even though down in my and I probably did slip up at one point. Down deep in my soul, that is pronounced Raikou. Yeah, for everybody, mostly. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure they kept saying Verizon, but I, I, that was that's my least of concern. And then Cobalion, uh, or Cobalion, I can't remember how they say that. Anyways, Kelly is trying to be a sword of justice. Uh, they don't, I don't remember if they established how you be, Kelvio's main goal to be a sword of justice is to battle Kyrium. And the other three kept saying over and over that he's not ready to battle Kyrium, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, we get to Kira within the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie of these three Pokemon. No, also the cold open. Is that what you call it, Travis? Where a cold b- open is is where the title where something yeah before the title if that's what you're referring yeah. to then yeah so there's 15 open. minutes before the title screen which is probably one of the longest cold opens to begin with but it's just those four legendaries Kelio decides to sneak off while the they are sleeping they he gets to Kirium Kirim's cave tells Kirim that he's a sword of justice even though he's not Kirim defeats him pretty easily because it's Kirim Kirim's also really cool. They do some good justice, Kiram. I want a soundbite of that, um, so I can have it on my soundboard. Kiram is, Kiram is really, really cool. cool. Uh, Keldio runs away from the battle because he can't win. Kiram gets mad because a sword of justice doesn't run away. That's when they encounter Ash. Uh, Ash quickly, a- Ash yells at K- Keldio, tells him that no, Keldio's awesome, even though he just met him 20 seconds ago. Kiram chases them around the town. At some point, Keldio realizes that he should challenge Kiram and that he lied to Kiram. So he goes back. He tells Kiram that he is, in fact, not a sword of justice, and he lied. Uh, and Kiram says, I don't care. We need to finish this battle. Uh, there's a lot of innuendos about really large horns. Take that for what you are, what that is. But uh, that movie has a lot of really 18-plus references in it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, Keldeo goes into its alternative form. I can't remember what its form is called. Resolution. Resolution. Resolution? Oh. Resolute. I always thought it was Resolute, but you're probably right that it's Resolution. No, I think it's Resolute. It goes into Resolute form. Uh, End of the movie, Keldeo still loses to Kerem. Kerem then at some point respects Keldeo for trying and understanding some overall message and walks away and that's the movie no team rocket no bad guy no plot that actually affects the entire city or anything like that it is strictly a process between keldeo learning and Hiram being that force that challenges his goals so on paper that movie sounds great but it's just a slog just very like oh okay Yep, we spent too long doing this scene. All right, we're going to do a 20-minute battle with Kiram and Kelio at the end. All right, well, we already saw a 10-minute battle with them at the beginning of the movie. And you would think that a 20-minute battle sounds great, but it's not. It's just really like, all right, we get it. Keldeo, you just keep losing. Uh, and there you go. Yeah, I, I agree. It really drags, and it's basically just designed to appeal to a younger audience that wants to see fantastic Pokemon battles and not have much story. Which is what that, what Will said, not much story, fantastic Pokemon battles. That sounds like my type of movie, but really there's only one battle. It's just Keldeo versus Kiram, and that battle is 
no joke, 30 minutes long. They just break it into two chunks. It's just the beginning battle and the end battle. And the movie's 70 minutes long, so when you have 30 minutes of just, like, those two battling, it's weird. My other question, maybe we'll, you can answer this. Kiram goes into Black Kiram and White Kiram multiple times and changes on the fly. I thought that they needed Reshram or Zekram near to, like, merge into. Oh, yeah, you gotta use the DNA splicers. So well, how is Kiram just flipping? Uh, because the movie's not canon and is not real. Mm. More questions than answers. We'll save that for another time. Let's talk about some Sun and Moon news. That's why you guys are all here. On October 4th, we got the evolved forms of the first three partner Pokemon introduced Dartix, Dartrix, Dartrix, Dartrix. I think that's right. Dart as I in think, like yeah. uh, arrow. Uh, we have Cat, and we have Brony. Brione. I don't know. Brony, Brony sounds better. Oh, uh, wow. Mm. It has <laughs> the bro. It has the bro. And then it has the knee. No, it's B R I, like Brie. Brione. Brione, because I think it's. It, there's probably. I don't know any French, but I assume there's some sort of French thing happening there, which is why you wouldn't pronounce. Which is, what I think the N-N-E is kind of the giveaway oh, of the French pronunciation, yes. so like Brione. Right. And it's also made to sound like brioche, a delicious kind of bread. And you love bread, Steve? I love bread. All right. I love bread. <laughs> uh, Dartrix is the blade quill Pokemon, evolves from Rowlet. Dartrix attacks by throwing its knife-edged feathers and pr- possesses extremely sharp senses. This Pokemon can detect opponents behind it and it can throw feathers to strike them without even seeing them. This Pokemon cares a great deal about its appearance, grooming its feathers in every spare moment it has. Cat is... Oh, Dartrix is also grass and flying. That stays the same with Rowlet. Cat is fire. The fire cat Pokemon Cat evolves from Litten. This Pokemon produces flames for its attack from... A bell-like sack attached to the base of its throat. Horacat has a great love for battle and will attack relentlessly. Its mane can sense what's going on around it, even in the dark, and it's able to detect the presence of hidden enemies. And finally, Brion, the water Pokemon. The pop star Pokemon Brion evolves from Poplio. Brion can dance in perfect time with others and is Always cheery and po- cheery and positive. A very hard worker, Brion learns dances by I- Im- imitating other members of its colony and sometimes can learn dances from humans. As this Pokemon dances, it creates balloons and slaps them into its target, making them explode and deal damage to its opponents. So there are your three Pokemon. So we, we all agree that Brion is best, right? Second best. Uh, no. I, I like Brion like a lot, but I am spiritually connected to Dartra. I cares a lot about its appearance. Check. <laughs> has, well, you were, on, you were on Team Rowlet before all this, right? Ha, yes. Has oh. emo hair. Check. 
has deadly accuracy with darts. I do not, but I am working on it. <laughs> Dartrix and I are the same person. All right. I do like Brion a lot. When I, the thing I, and I've so far already, like Rowlet, Poplio, Litton was my order in, in decreasing affection to which I have for these Pokemon. And that can that continues here, although I would say Brion is the, that while there is a large gap between the amount I like Rowlet and the amount I like Poplio, there's a much smaller gap between Dartrix and Poplio in my, or sorry, Dartrix and Brion in my mind because there is something, I don't know, there's something off about like the colors and shapes of Poplio that I don't know. I, I, I've yet to be able to describe it, but there's something just a little off about the nose of Poplio. And for some reason, whatever they changed up, Brion makes it work for me. So I like Brion a lot, but not as much as I like Dartrix. And uh, whatever Litten turns into is boring, just like Litten. Yup. Wow. That's a hot pile of trash, that fire cat. It's a fire cat still, but it's larger now, so it has a, a bell, I guess. And it has a bell. There you go. Who cool. puts bells on their cats? Come on. Man, you guys are... I went... I like Rowlet, Populo, and Litten all pretty equally. I think they're all great. I know right off the bat I was Litten, but the more I looked at like Populo uh, or Rowlet, the more I like them for what they were. I will agree with you that Torcat is probably the weakest out of the three. But I do like that it's still on all four legs. Which Just is wait till it gains fighting type. Uh I don't think I don't think it's gonna go fighting type. I think I if it was to go fighting type, they would have made it two legged at this point. There have we addressed those leaked images on this show of of the final evolution stages uh i don't think we've discussed it on the show it's been discussed in slack but i mean those lousy drawings <laughs> yeah i do not i don't i don't think they're re- the thing that lends credence to them is the fact that those were those images came out and there's a character drawn in the Litten evolution one supposedly these leaked images are anime reference sheets for the character for like people who are drawing the anime to to know how to draw these three Pokemon and in the Litten one there's a character like there's a a human interacting with Litten's third evolution supposed third evolution and that character looks pretty much identical to a character that we then later saw in one of the trailers. I'm of the opinion that maybe that one is legitimate, but probably the, but hopefully the other two aren't because I already don't care about Litten. So I already don't care if Litten turns into the luchador cat that it was always going to be because it's always firefighting. Um, I really, really hope that, and I, I actually kind of like the Poplio final evolution if the leaks are right, but I don't. I hate the supposed the this leaked um, Rowlet third evolution, the Archer one, and the fact that this second evolution throws darts. 
lends further credence to that. Like you would go darts and then arrows, and I don't I don't like where that's going because I really don't like the design of that one. So I mean, I'm I am in my heart I don't believe it, but my mind is being more and more swayed. It's hard to look at sketches like that because one no there is not a situation where some artist just draws a final evolution of a pokemon and goes there it is guys no changes needed uh i don't true yeah i don't believe that that happens uh especially with how they're building up this game i mean maybe maybe the first time they drew out rowlet they were like there you go no changes needed good to go uh, yeah, maybe it's like a really old draft is what you're saying. Right. Uh, it's also hard to look at Pokemon without that context of it, if you were to look at Dartrix, you can kind of get personality but the, behind that. But the, the Pokedex entry or what I, re- what I read from the press release really supports why the Pokemon is the Pokemon. Yeah, and it's animation too, uh, the little hair flip. Right. So when you see like a a wrestler cat, which everyone's like, Steve, how are you not excited for that? You love cats and you love wrestling. I don't see how Litten and Toracat get to that point. Uh, I know the joke is like, oh, all fire Pokemon are fighting type. And what that has happened for what? Three? Embor, Infernape, and that's it, right? Blaziken. 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 I, I think one is just silly to go down that road of like, let's do another fighting type Pokemon, especially since there are 19, 19 Pokemon types, 18. But even looking at Toracat, there's nothing wrestling about it. Like it's still on four legs, which is a great sign. Like I think it, I, I want it to stay on four legs uh, because I think, I think it does Persian justice. I think it does Perugly justice. I think it does even like the legendary dogs or RK9. I think it does those those creatures justice to be on all four legs. I that is why they lost me with Embor. Like Pig Pig uh Pig Knight should have stayed like a boar the entire time. I don't why it went to standing on two legs with a Donkey Kong barrel around it. I'm I don't know. I just don't think that that was the the winning design there. Like it should have just been a giant boar, and that's my feeling on on Embor. But boar, I don't know. It says boar in its name, and it's uh, it's on two legs. It bothers me. But I am still under the belief that the website where you put in the numbers to show that the other types were there. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yes. I still think that's accurate. And I believe that it was grass dark, straight fire, and then water fighting, if I'm not mistaken. No, there was ground. Oh, yeah. Ground was there. Anyways, yeah, I don't remember that. But those sketches, those lousy sketches that we saw, still don't line up with. uh, They don't line up with the the website numbers and obviously like those are hidden those were hidden types like they existed in a specific order and why would they do that yeah. why would they do I that forgot so, i forgot about that yeah yeah the drawings do somewhat line up with dartrix and uh brion a little bit uh but not with Torah cat at all i yeah. mean unless 
underneath Torakat's belly, he's wearing a wrestling belt. I just don't see that. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I, I, th- I think they're all cool. Uh, I think... I don't know how to say that. I don't know how to say this without getting flack. So forgive my ignorance. But Brion to me uh, looks extremely feminine, whereas the other five Pokemon, uh, the uh, the other five could easily sway both. Like, oh, like this is male, this is female, or like Chansey. Like when you look at Chansey, you're like, ah, oh, most Chanseys are girls, uh, or Jinx. Obviously, Jinx is a girl. Mister Mime. Well, Mr. Mime's weird because Mr. Mime could be both boy or girl. I just think as a as a starter Pokemon, usually their their gender flips like both ways of like and again, I'm probably saying that wrong, but do you get you guys get kind of where I was going with that? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, Embor was Embor was pretty masculine. Um, like, uh, what? What is gosh? What does Chespin evolve into? What is that monstrosity? Chestnut is pretty masculine, um, and then uh, 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 whatever. Delphox is um, pretty feminine. Delphox is pretty feminine. Like I think there's. I don't think that's um, bad at all. I'm just I'm just making an observation. I think there's precedent for uh, feminine or masculine imagery in starter Pokemon. So, and I mean, I think yeah. So I don't I don't see that as a problem. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, the uh, way that you present yourself is kind of completely divorced from gender identity in any way. So, you know, people can wear Pokemon, <laughs> take it back a step, can wear whatever they want. Dude, Second wear what you like. <laughs> Just throwing the observation out there. More it's, dudes in skirts. More dudes in skirts. Oh, seriously, if I could get away with it at work, you know, I I would be down with that. Make it happen. I definitely get the I definitely get the appeal of you know making a Pokemon appeal more towards boys or more towards girls. Like last week was it last week or maybe a week before that we talked about how Victini was designed to appeal more towards girls. Well, that's totally cool. I, d- I don't see that in Victini. I think Victini, fit, I don't see any, I don't see how specifically it is, uh, how, especially compared to Brion. I, I, would, I would be curious, just observation-wise, to see like a kid pick Hoplio and then if it does evolve into this mermaid, be upset or be happy. And again, I don't care either way. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you guys. It's just those Pokemon, like the Populo, definitely changes quite a bit more feminine into Brion, and that could be a problem for some kids. Going, no, I want Embor because Embor looks very tough, or I want Machamp because obviously Machamp is like one of the most masculine Pokemon out there. Uh, but I could see a kid not knowing and being upset that. Like, oh, mommy, I got a girl Pokemon. When I, I mean, I'm, I was the same way as a kid. Like, I thought all my Pokemon were boys, I, except for my Chansey. My Chansey was my girl Pokemon. Um, but I'm still that way. Like, I like catching Pokemon, like that are very like specific to how I, how I think. Like, I want my Mister Mime to be male, even though Mister Mime can be female. I just think that's that's weird, and that's my preference. But I am a big fan of male and female having specific things about them. 
and I'm a total fan of that. Like, I love that the female Pikachu has a heart on its tail. I think that's fantastic. I love how uh, the male and female Meowstic are, are dramatically different. I love that a lot because then I want both of those Pokemon. Um, but that's just me. And everyone has their their style. Wow. I would say that your strong adherence to gender stereotypes in dress and presentation is very 20th century. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, my Delphox was a girl, and I was very happy with that because, again, I think Delphox, to me, is a little more feminine, uh, and I was actually super happy because I think most starter Pokemon have like a 23% chance of being female. Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but yeah, it's it's low. Really it might low. even be as low as like 15. I would say that if the the outcome that we're worried about is... I'm not worried. So- I just think it's interesting. It, it, it will sure if the if the you know this theoretical kid that gets upset when in the example his poplio turns into something that's feminine i don't think like i would rather pokemon continue to be a franchise where feminine masculine and neutral presentations of pokemon continue to equally be as powerful as each other and as interesting as each other i would rather have society change around it to a point where we don't associate feminine things with with bad from certain perspective you know what i mean like no i yeah like, i agree with you i, and, and I would I rather would also, have society change around pokemon than than change these pokemon designs and i would also argue for every uh theoretical little boy that's disappointed that his poplio turned into a girly looking brione there will be a theoretical little boy that will be thrilled yes that his poplio turned into a brione and and probably there will be one or more theoretical little girls who are upset that there's no version of machamp that looks like them <laughs> i would love to meet the little girl that loves their female mr mime <laughs> i love all my mr mimes regardless of their gender assignment if just name it Mrs. Mime, like why Pokemon, you're ruining. I, I I agree with that. I think naming a Pokemon Mr. Mime is weird. <laughs> I think words are a cultural construct and are divorced from any reality of what a being's <laughs> existence is. One letter. You can make. I, I also I also agree with that. I also have read Nietzsche before. <laughs> I agree with all your points. Uh, but again, like I said, I'm I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of female Pikachu having a heart on its tail. I I like the like the subtle differences. I just like those a lot. So hopefully mm-hmm. there are more in Gen Seven. Uh, but yeah, I think the starter I think the starter Pokemon are, are still great. Uh, I wonder if they're going to show the final evolutions before the game actually releases. But who knows? They probably will. They probably will. Yep. Uh, the other bit of news that came out is. In Pokemon Sun and Moon games, communication in the Pokemon Sun and Moon games, communication features are gathered together in the new Festival Plaza. Players will be able to see other people playing near them, or other players connected to the internet to battle or trade. By talking to people and listening to their requests in the Festival Plaza, players can receive Festival coins. There are cool store. There are cool stores to spend Festival coins in, such as Die Houses goodie shops, 
which are rare items obtained, and even bounce castles for Pokemon to train in. As players gather more festival coins, their festival plaza will rank up, yielding rewards and making more activities available. Players will even have uh, the ability to host missions where multiple players can work together to try to achieve certain goals. Uh, any comments about this before we move on? I'm trying to figure out what a die house is because that sounds something like something horrible. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, this just seems like the like the Animal Crossing thing where you guys where you, people come to your town, you all got in a boat, and then you did like really weird mini games. Uh, and then you, that that was fun for two days, and then you never played it again. Oh no no no! This is gonna oh die like in die colors. Yeah, D Y I D Y I D Y E. Can't spell. So you can have uh, you can dye your clothing, I guess. Yeah. I well, know. I mean, they, so, they did show that you can dye clothing. So that's, I am, a, I am 100% assuming that's what it's for. All right. So my whole take on Festival Plaza, and I'm not going to go into the archipelago dealio, is one of my things that I was very excited about in Pokemon Black and White, my favorite Pokemon games, was the um, Entree and the sort of that central area in Unova where you could go and then you could play mini games on other, your other friends games do you remember that yes it was it was so funny because no one knew that that was a feature and then you could just if, if you were at like vgc nats you could just show up at a at, at i guess you could only do it with your friends but yeah. still you would meet up with your friends who have been on your like friends list for a long time but you like i'll start i'll start all that over again i'll just say it's really funny because very few people know it's actually a thing, and then you can just appear as a Geo dude in their world and then watch them as they struggle to figure out what is going on. Well, not only do you appear as a Geo dude in their world, you hand them like a potion. Correct. Because because that was your mission was to find them and then deliver something to them. Oh, I love those mini games, and and I was like so disappointed when they took that out in in Black and White Two. So I'm yeah, I am super hyped for this. I don't I never did any of them, but okay. Exactly. No one did. And it was really <laughs> funny when you did. And then people were like, why is there why is this random NPC running around in circles? Is this a human? What is happening? <laughs> sounds great. Uh, another new feature that was announced was the Pokepelago. In Pokepelago, Pokemon that are stored in the PC box can explore a variety of aisles. Play on athletic equipment and enjoy other fun activities. If a player sends many Pokemon to the Pokepelago, they can develop more uh, facilities on the island and develop new kinds of aisles. These aisles are developed and increased in numbers. They will allow players to obtain items and even raise Pokemon. Uh, and then, I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I liked you know the concept of this. The only one I didn't like was there's one where it's like you send your Pokemon, all of them, into a mine for them to find items for you. And I was like, I don't want my little Pokemons to go in that dark mine all by themselves without <laughs> me to protect them. That was scary. Yeah, I think there are labor laws against that. Yeah, probably. I, I think they're just uh, uh, trying to find more ways for your Pokemon just not to sit in boxes and do stuff for you. I think it's really cool. I there, It reminds me of features in did any of you play dark cloud 2 
No. No. Or Dark Cloud. And I'm aware of them. I've never played them. I, when I was young, I rented Dark Cloud 2 about enough times that I probably should have just bought the game. And that had this interesting aspect where it was an RPG, but you also had city building elements and it also had like photography and it had all these. It was a very wide in scope game. But one of the larger sort of side things that was going on was this like city building aspect to the game. And I really like that. And so it, it to me, it has echoes of, of that game and that you're you're building this little area with your with your Pokemon. So the, I, I often with games that I really, really enjoy, I find myself enamored with small mini games in them. Um, as much as I make fun of Final Fantasy X and uh, dodging lightning bolts, I quite like Final Fantasy X. And in that game, I was enamored with the Blitzball minigame. You know, I, a sign of a great game is being lost in the mini games that it provides. And I <laughs> hope that the Pokepelago is one of those. Yeah. I know a lot of people, I've never played The Witcher, but I know a lot of people say the same sort of, sort of thing about Gwent, the card game that exists in The Witcher 3. Yeah, yeah, I've heard good things about Gwent. Uh, finally, Mega Evolution is making a return as well. Pokemon that were able to Mega Evolve in previous Pokemon games are will also be able to Mega Evolve in Pokemon Sun and Moon. The Mega Stones for the Pokemon with the compatibility to Mega Evolve that will appear in Alola region may be received from characters or obtained in or, or obtained from special shops. I butchered that sentence, but you got the point. And yeah, Mega Evolution is back. So uh, take that, all you YouTubers that said Mega po- Pokemon are not coming back. Because, yeah, you sick burn. Well, there is one place where they're not coming back. VGC 2017 rule set. Thank you yes, very much. Yes, that's true. Mega Pokemon are not allowed for that. Uh, yeah, Mega Pokemon are, are, are coming back. I think that's good. Uh, I... I'm glad that they didn't leave that behind like they're probably doing with like cosplay Pikachu and some other stuff. But um, yeah, that didn't while that was kind of like the the gimmick of Gen 6 kind of hard to believe that they would leave those behind when they put so much value in those Pokemon's designs. And are we all of the opinion that they will likely not add any more mega evolutions? Uh, I would, I would bet they wouldn't add any this time around, but I would still see more in the future. Yeah. I think they're doing too much with Alola. It also like makes me feel good that like Alolan Pokemon won't be left behind either. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I just think those are two ploys to not increase the pokedex number but yeah but i think it's an effective way to do that (laughs) oh yeah yeah i agree finally the pokemon global link will be updated for pokemon sun and moon and will be available at the game's launch date the updated pgl site will have new features including online competitions global missions and more for more information on this please go to pokemon slash pokemon hyphen sunmoon.com and uh yeah and uh, there will be a demo version on October 18th via the Nintendo eShop. And the special demo version will include players 
to well introduce players to the Alola region and features Ash's Greninja, the Pokemon that appears alongside the hero Ash in the animated TV series. Players will be able to transfer Ash's Greninja from the demo version to their full version when the game launches on November 18th. No comment. You can get Ash Greninja. Hooray. Yeah. Kids everywhere clamoring for Ash's Greninja. But it's not Ash's Greninja. It's Ash, Ash Greninja. Greninja. <laughs> I don't have a lot of feelings about this. We all saw it coming. Basically. I mean, yeah, but they're not Ashifying other Pokemon. It's just this one. It's just yeah. getting special treatment like Charizard. Yep. Uh, okay. That's that for that. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to say about Pokemon Sun and Moon as we get even closer to uh, the release dates for those. Uh, I am going to toss it over to Travis. He's going to do our Pokemon of the week. Uh, and that's, we're picking Cryognagal. Cryognal. Cryognagal. The name comes from like Cryofreeze. Uh, polygonal, like as in polygon, because it's like a shape polygonal and then cryo is in like you said cryostasis like freezing cryo right so cryogonal um this is the one of the few pokemon that was featured in the keldeo movie so that's why we picked it so it's all you an interesting word yeah we (laughs) is a word he's he's so liberal with the use of that word it's true uh it's all it's all you drivers I've been doing, I'm, I'm trying out a new thing with Pokemon of the Week movesets where I am farming them out a little bit. I made a Slack channel on our Patreon Slack group where at, when we start recording an episode, when I learned two and a half hours ago that Cryogonal was going to be our Pokemon of the Week, I said that in the channel, and so we had some... Brave Souls making a moveset for Cryogonal. Uh, the one I'm going to feature is, and I I won't say full names just in case people don't want their full names, but this person's Slack handle is Koopa Prez. And his moveset, which I'm going to tweak a little bit, he suggests Ice Beam, Recover, Confuse Ray, and Water Pulse. I'm instead going to suggest Freeze Dry, Recover, Confuse Ray, Water Pulse. I think that the lower base power of freeze dry is a small price to pay for coverage of water type pokemon for those unaware freeze dry is a move that is an ice type move special attacking 100% accuracy and um 70 base power but regardless of 70 base power but even though it's an ice type move it is always super effective against water types um and that added coverage is just really cool um, the thing about Cryogonal that's a little strange is that it does not really have the move pool to support its what you would want given its base stats. It has high special attack but doesn't have a lot of great options for some sort of special sweeper. It's not that fast either. Its highest um, base stat is actually its special defense. Its HP is low enough that it doesn't really act as a defensive Pokemon. It's one of those that sort of gets lost in the shuffle because its base stats and move pool don't support one of the classic categorizations of Pokemon. You know, either a a wall, a sweeper, or maybe a tank. It it kind of gets lost in the middle. 
but we can still make it work. Um, and we're going to do a specially offensive one, as you can tell from the set. Confuse Ray I, is there, I would guess, as a way to, if if you expect a switch to be, if you expect your opponent to switch, you might use Confuse Ray if you don't know to which Pokemon they are going to switch, because Confuse Ray is always 100%. going to be a decent enough thing. Yeah, it's got 100% accuracy, so it's always going to be a decent thing to slap onto whatever they switch out into, as opposed to guessing with an offensive move and then maybe having them predict it and you end up just getting not very effective damage in terms of the the rest of the set it's pretty simple simply offensive um deal damage with your cryognals decent special attack stat of 95 and it's speed of 105 which isn't that bad either the ev spreads that they recommend are either 252 in speed and special attack or 252 in speed uh, and then 152 in special attack and 100 in HP. I think the more offensive one makes a little more sense. I understand that Dragonal has a lot of special defense, but it also has ice typing, which means it's weak to stealth rocks. So trying to make a Pokemon that survives out of Cryogonal is going to be difficult. The only ability it has is Levitate, so that's what we're going to use. Uh, and then the nature is going to be modest. The held item um, is leftovers because it doesn't really lend itself to a choice specs or choice scarf set. And life orb isn't really a great option because its survivability is so low that um, that you it survive survivability is low and yet you still want it to survive some given that it has confuse ray so it's not like your typical glass cannon where you can afford life orb because you're always going to expect to be one hit ko'd you kind of want to soak up at least maybe one hit because you want to be able to slap confusion on something so that's why we go with leftovers there as opposed to an offensive item the other option to consider is that Cryogonal has access to Rapid Spin, a move that uh, is very useful competitively, but we've talked so much about Rapid Spin and, and sets involving it lately, so we're not going to do that this time. So thanks again to Koopa Prez for that moveset. That, is that, the, is that, the, that the jam? Yeah, I think I did everything. I All mean, right. if you're going to make the mistake of using Cryogonal competitively, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, the shiny... It's not that great. The, sh the shiny form is a lighter blue, uh, and instead of, like, instead of blue eyes, it's uh, orange eyes, which is pretty interesting. One of the better shinies, for sure. Also has the highest special defense of all base stat non-legendary ice-type Pokemon, so that's something for it. Ah, really? Oh, okay. I was going to say, I I'm surprised Avalug doesn't have that, but I bet it has... It's got really high physical defense. Right, yeah. Uh, oh... One of the only genderless is Cryonical is the only genderless Pokemon other than Mew that can learn attract. Which is a fun fact right there. And it doesn't have any it doesn't end up doing anything because it's genderless. Uh, yeah, there you go. It, it just has no effect. There was a mis mistakes were made in making that moveset. <laughs> so funny. Uh yeah, anything anything else about this Pokemon? I don't know. You, you picked it. Yeah, where do you first encounter a cryogonal? In the cave after Chargestone Cave. Well, no. 
Twist Mountain. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. And bonus trivia, Isaris City Music is some of my favorite Pokemon music of all time. So that's our show for you guys. Travis is at the Travis W on Twitter. Yep. Will is at Washing the Sink. Good, good to have you back, Will. Glad he spent the last three hours with us here. Welcome back. I am the pumpkin spice latte of the podcast. Here for the fall. I'm the <laughs> pumpkin spice of our lives. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Please, uh, if you haven't done so already, leave us a review in iTunes. We are trying to get to 700 reviews before the end of 2016, so we are almost there. Please help out. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are Super, Super Enigmas. What a dirty dog. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Hey there, Pokemon Podcast listeners. Do any of you play Minecraft? Did you know that you can play Pokemon on Minecraft with a mod, Pixelmon? Join the Pixelmon server that cares about bringing you the best Pokemon experience out there at play.journeygaming.com. Journey Gaming has four different Pokemon servers themed after the regions Hoenn, Sinnoh, Kanto, and Johto. Check out their website at journeygaming.com or jump right into Pixelmon Experience on their server at play.journeygaming.com. I want to give a shout out to Pure underscore Riddle for this sponsorship over at journeygaming.com. Thank you so much for supporting It's Super Effective.